the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. In Ephesians chapter 3, last week we left off in verse 5 where Paul speaks of this mystery that he's been talking about, a new revelation from the Spirit of God. And I want you to remember as he brings forth this spiritual revelation that spiritual growth and understanding is not dependent upon you. Aren't you glad? Because if it was really dependent upon me, I would have been in remedial Christianity for years. But God reveals himself, not a teaching. And growth and truth is progressive. And truth is not taught. It's revealed. It's exposed in our lives. As you begin to grow in your ability to experience the truth of what God says about himself, you grow not in stature, but in relationship. Because our vision is often obscured by flesh, by the enemy, and by the world, the physical world around us, we tend to think that our growth might be on the same terms, but it's not. You know what? The truth is, Christian, you grow from the inside out. Isn't that kind of weird? But you do. You don't grow from the outside in. If you did, you'd be dependent upon the world and, and dependent upon man and dependent upon books and upon seminary and upon all kinds of things to teach you. But you grow from the inside out. And Jesus said there will come a time when you'll have no need of a teacher. And what he was referring to is the fact that you have his very life within you. And it's not just in you to accompany you for a resource. It's in you that it might demonstrate life daily, salvation daily, love daily, and I mean moment by moment, because we're here on this earth with purpose, and listen Christian, your purpose is to know Him, to know Him. It's by revelation that we receive truth. And only through the dispensation of the Spirit of God, what is many times an interruption in our mind, will, and emotions, can we comprehend that truth. How many of you were really looking for Jesus when you found Him? I wasn't. But He revealed Himself to me. And when I saw Him, I saw the depth of my need. And I saw Him as the answer. The only answer. I didn't look at him and say, well, maybe there are other options. I didn't look at any other options. I knew when I looked at him, I might have gone off and considered other ideas, but I knew when I looked at him, he was the answer. The Spirit of God made that clear. And you know what? 
That happened at the point of my salvation, but He makes it clear every day that I live. Because life is about unanswered questions. It's about incomplete trips. It's about dreams that aren't fulfilled. It's about expectations that never quite meet. It's about all of those things because it's in those things the revelation of Christ exists. And I'm glad because how many of us has lived lives where they're completely void of these things? Philippians 3.3 says, And that the mystery, secret, was made known to me. That's Paul speaking. And I was allowed to comprehend it. How did he comprehend it? By direct revelation, as I already wrote to, briefly wrote to you. See, Paul's excited about this revelation because of its origin. Because of where it came from. And here's the thing that he gets excited about. It's not knowing something. It's not having a leg up and spiritual understanding. What it is, is that God has opened a window and given him a greater grasp of who he is. That is the revelation. God revealing to Paul more about himself that he might go out and tell the Gentiles the kind of God they serve. The truth of that God's heart. It was a huge revelation to Paul. It was such a huge revelation that he doesn't even bother to tell us that he's in prison until chapter 3. Paul is declaring to the Ephesians that it was even a greater understanding than God had revealed to the patriarchs. It was so huge to Paul that, that where he was was inconsequential. And all that he knew of the patriarchs and their teaching was somewhat inconsequential at this point because what God had revealed to him was it was not that I have a distant relationship with, with God, not that I have an arrangement with God, not even that I'm His people, but that I am in Him. I have union with Him. I have intimacy with Him. That was huge. Go back and look at the first two chapters. And you see that you begin to see all of what Paul's excited about. In Him I found His love to be boundless. In Him I found His grace. In Him I found that I am an heir. In Him I have reason for thanksgiving. In Him the walls of hostility of human flesh dividing are demolished. In Him I have it all. Paul is going over and over again about all that is found in Christ Jesus. Oh, and by the way, I'm in prison. Where would we have started? Ephesians 3.5 This mystery was never disclosed to human beings in past generations as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles, consecrated messengers, and prophets by the Holy Spirit. Paul is so excited because in this mystery is a revelation of His, of his love, of the love of His life, and it is a fulfillment of His heart's prayer. What was Paul's heart's prayer? Well, I know I've never read this to you before, but I'm going to read for you Ephesians 3.10 out of the Amplified. What is Paul's prayer? For my determined purpose is that I may know Him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving, recognizing, and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly. 
that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which exerts, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Can you see Paul's excitement? Can you see Paul exploding with joy at the revelation of all that he has in Christ? Can you see Paul as he, as he rehearses this through the first two chapters with the Ephesians, as he goes forth and he can't use enough words to describe all that the Ephesians have in, in Christ, all that Christ has done for them, all of his heart, the, the Father's heart towards them. Paul can't use enough descriptions to make it plain because he is so excited about about it. And it's like you seeing something so marvelous for the first time and trying to describe it to somebody else. You just run out of description. Because the bottom line of it is, you're not going to be able to give it to them until they see it for themselves. And Paul is doing this to the Ephesians. These are Christians. He says, look, look at what you have. Look at the truth of your relationship in Him, in Him, in Him, in Him. Read the first two chapters and see the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus. In Him, in Him. Can you see it? He says to them, do you see? Because we're in Christ, there's no separation from the Father and there's no separation from the body of Christ. The dividing wall of flesh is destroyed and we have been lifted up out of this decaying flesh as our center of existence. And as Paul says in 3.11, that we may attain a spiritual and moral resurrection when we live out of our union with Him. Do you understand what a spiritual and moral resurrection is? It is when we walk out here and we get confronted by the death of life, by the death of circumstances, by the death of our own frailty, by the death of all the things that come against us, we are confronted with it and we can't answer it back in our flesh because we have no strength to, to overcome it. And God lifts us out with a spiritual and moral resurrection from the depravity of our flesh into a spiritual position of being more than conquerors despite of every circumstance. That is resurrection life. And that is what He's given you because you're no longer victims in Christ. You're conquerors in Christ. You have it. It's yours in Him. In Him. Paul declares the mystery. Ephesians 3.6 It is this, that the Gentiles are now to be fellow heirs with the Jews, members of the same body and joint partakers, sharing in the same divine promise in Christ through their acceptance of the glad tidings of the gospel. The mystery is not just our union, but the place of union. Did you follow that? In Christ, we're fellow heirs, members of the same body. It's in Him, in Christ. Paul says we lose our outward identity through Him. 
we lose our outward identity as Jew, as Gentile, as whatever we held on to as being who we are. We are now identified by who we are in Christ. We're in union with one another and there is no separation. We can set it all aside, all of those things that we were constantly measuring one another up with. We can set it all aside because in us is the divine equality that says Christ is my life and there is nothing greater, nothing higher, nothing more more fabulous than, than His life within me. If you want to set yourself up to compare against something, I will tell you that nothing in my life is worth comparison save the life of Christ Himself. And I pray that you can say, I have that same life. For He has put in us and joined to us uncreated life. The very life of God, His very Spirit, is in union with you. Do you dumb it down? Do you see yourself as frail and fragile, temporal? Is this life all that you got? You're an eternal being, child of God. He has joined you with himself. You are fellow heirs. He said in 3.6, they are fellow heirs. Galatians 3.29 says, And if you belong to Christ, are in him who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to the promise. He says we are members of the same body. 1 Corinthians 12.12-13 says, For just as the body is a unity, and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, so it is with Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. You are all in union, one body. For by the means of personal agency of the Holy Spirit, we are all, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, baptized, and by baptism united together into one body, and all made to drink of one Holy Spirit, sharing in the divine promise. Do you see that the whole union of man and God took place at the point of resurrection? Baptism is a picture of us going to death with Him. All the separation went to death with him all of the division went to death with him all of the personal fleshly identities went to death with him all of the things that we angst we have angst over all the things that vex us as we compare ourselves to others all of those went to the grave with him and at resurrection when you came up out of the grave in Christ there was never at that point forward any more point of comparison He was singularly glorious, and you are indivisibly linked with Him. There is no point of flesh identity. We have nothing to defend. We are sharing in the divine promise. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes answer in Christ. For this reason, we also utter the Amen, so be it to God through him in his person and by his agency to the glory of God. Do you get the depth of that verse? That everything that God promised would be true of your life is in Christ. And what he is saying is this. 
as I need patience, as I need hope, as I need protection, as I need healing, as I need strength, as I need any of those things, I look to Him who is all of those things, for every need is met in Him, and I say, Amen, Christ is life. So be it, Christ is life. I have no patience. So be it, Christ is my life. I have no strength. So be it, Christ is my life. I have no hope. So be it, Christ is my life. Amen. Amen. And every promise that He has made to us, He made in His life. He didn't make it to your flesh. He made it to us through His life. Through His life. That's how we receive it. You know that Paul continues through these chapters, he continues to use the Greek preposition which is son. And what that means, I'm not trying to impress you with Greek because I really don't know that much. But the truth is that son means that you are linked, you are mixed together, and you are indivisible. You can't separate. You cannot separate. Did you think you could separate yourself from the provision of God, from the person of God, from the love of God, from anything that God says He is to you? Did you think you could somehow separate yourself from that? You can blind yourself to it, but you can't separate yourself from it. It's like water and flour in a mixing bowl. It's like tea and water in a glass. And here's the interesting thing. When he's speaking of the body of Christ, what he's saying is that these two have been mixed together. Christ and his children have now come into union with one another. And when you mix water and tea together, what do you come up with? Tea. You don't come up with water and tea, do you? You come up with tea. You come up with a whole new thing. When God took you and brought you into union with Himself, He created in you something new. Not something improved. Not something that's a little bit better. But something totally different. He created His life in you. The child of God. That's who you are. A saint of God. Created by His life. As He mixed His life in union with you. As you received Him you became something new. For if any man is in Christ, if any man is what? In Christ, he is what? A new creation. Which means you're actually created new by him. Indivisible. In that action, Christ broke the curse of separation that was imposed in the garden. Do you remember what happened in the garden when man sinned? He was separated from the presence of God. But not only was he separated from the presence of God, what tree was it that he was specifically kept away from? The tree of life. You can't have life apart from him. And when he took away the separation, when he took away through through his death on the cross, took away all that separated man from God, all man had to do was choose him at that point. Choose Him. The separation from life is over. Now we feed from the life. From the life of Christ. And you know what? Here's the interesting thing about the, uh, about the garden. He said we have the tree of life. He didn't say we have the apple of life. He said we have the tree of life. You know what that implies? That it's continually producing. You know what that implies? That you need to eat from it continually. 
you must continually take in His life. You must continually draw your strength, your hope, your very being from His life. Oh, His life doesn't go away. It's rooted. (laughs) But He is your food. He is your nurture. He is your sustenance. He did away with the wall of separation. He did away with separation in general. We are now His body in union, in His purpose, fulfilling His will, and we are under one head. In union, in His purpose. There is not a single child of God that is not in the center of His purpose. I always say this. I know that everyone in here has purpose under God. Do you know how I know that? You're here. You're alive. You're taking in breath. He has purpose in you. And His purpose is the revelation of Himself. You wondered what life was about, and there you have it. The revelation of Christ. You have Christ, but you have no idea the height, the depth, and breadth of Christ. And here's where Paul is. We talk about Paul's perspective. This is Paul's perspective. He saw a little bit, he wanted a lot more. He saw a little bit more, and he wanted a lot more. And he saw a little bit more, and he says, you know what? Jesus is all I care about. It's all I want. The rest of this stuff doesn't make any difference to me. Let me have more. He is our head. What does it mean that He is our head? He is the head of of the church. It says in Colossians 1, verse 18, He also also is the head of His body, the church, seeing He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that He alone, in everything and in every respect, might occupy the chief place, stand first, and be preeminent. We have Him as our head, which means your head... How does your head react with your body? Your head gives your body purpose. Your body doesn't know what to do with itself apart from the head. Apart from the head, it's pretty disorganized. In fact, it doesn't have any life at all. It just kind of lays around, doesn't it? But the head, the head motivates. The head moves. The head gives you the capability, the dexterity, the ability, not only to do, but to comprehend why. And how and because. The head is critical. But you say, I don't know that I have that from God. Well, you have his mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who has known and understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him, that is God, and give him knowledge, that is God. But... We have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of His heart. Does that mean that you literally have His brain in you? What that means is that His mind is ever ready to be yours. Yield to the truth within you. You're just sheep. He compares you as sheep. You don't know. You don't know which way to go. You don't know why you're going the way you're going. But you have within you the mind of Christ, the ultimate intellect, the ultimate intelligence, the ultimate in purpose. And He can direct you and He moves you forward. He is your reason. He is your wisdom. He is your direction. And why is it important for us to know that? Because if we're out here trying to figure it out on our own, we're out here thinking that we're the, the cause and the effect, it's pretty miserable, isn't it? How many of you have ever picked up a Bible and understood all that it said? 
Well, if you did, you need to come up here. But the truth of the matter is, the mind of Christ has brought you revelation on every point. You didn't know until He revealed it. The mind of Christ revealed to you your dependency upon Him. The mind of Christ revealed to you that He is your strength. The mind of Christ was the intellect that allowed you to walk into a circumstance, see it for what it is, and see that the only sufficiency was Jesus. That's the mind of Christ. Yield to it. Yield to the truth. We have the mind of Christ. In this picture of our union with Christ, Paul presses the eternal perspective. He sees us collectively in Christ. And last week we talked about this, that Paul, how Paul could indulge the indignity or ignore the indignity of his circumstance and spend so much ink on this mystery. The truth is that he didn't recognize his circumstance. He recognized Jesus. Paul has an eternal perspective. He related everything in the light of his relationship with God. Is that how you relate to life? The trend in modern Christianity is to see everything in light of our relationship with this world. Will God give me peace for my circumstance? Will God heal my body? Will God prosper me? Will God save me? What's God going to do for me here? What's God going to do for me there? What do I have to do to get God to act in this way in my life? What do I have to do to get God to act? Who's responding to who? The issue with this perspective is that it limits God's relevance to your comfort. Have you been there? I have. God is certainly capable of doing all those things, and we need to relate to His grace and His loving kindness, and that kindness and that grace often delivers us. But listen, His purpose is not the deliverance of flesh. It's deliverance from flesh. Did you get that? God's purpose in you is not the deliverance of flesh. It's deliverance from flesh. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life, moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.